Fear the Walking Dead, the podcast, an unofficial discussion of the news and events surrounding Fear the Walking Dead with Quinn Warner, Stephen Payne, and Bruce McGee. I'm Bruce McGee. I'm Steve Payne. I'm Quinn Warner. And this is Fear the Walking Dead, a podcast, episode six for October 8th, 2015. Welcome back. So what are we um, talking about this week, Gwen? Well, it was it was the finale. The finale. What a finale it was. I liked it quite a bit. This is my favorite episode. I did too. I did too. And I, I'm so happy. I'm so glad. I finally liked Travis. I know. I was waiting for it. <laughs> I was sweating you out. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for him to beat the shit out of somebody, and by golly, he did it, and I'm so proud of him. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> I know. He's great. Murdered his ex-wife and everything. Right. Oh, that's great. I love him. Yeah, and that's the thing. He dog slapped that guy around. <laughs> so good. Well, that's where he's a lot like Rick because Rick is this guy that has a conscience, and really not that violent on his own, but he will do what's necessary. <laughs> he rises to the occasion. Right. So to whatever. Speak. <laughs> like you know, whoever needs shooting, he's going to shoot them. Like I think one of the first zombies he killed in the whole series was. You know, he sees a little girl at a service station, and little girl, little girl, I'm a police officer, and she turns her, you know, she's a zombie little girl, and he blows her brains out, um, which shows okay. This, but you know, he's he's further down that path than Travis has been, who's been reluctant to, you know, get in touch with that side of himself. Um, and also, in the first episode of Walking Dead. He meets up with this um, man and his son, who are kind of a lot like him. And the son asks, Dad, can I learn how to shoot guns now? And he said, hell yeah, you're going to learn how to shoot guns. <laughs> you know? and, and Travis has been like, no, you can't learn a gun. I, I don't want you to know this. No guns for you. <laughs> so um, this was the week that the army pulled out. Yeah. And abandoned them. And I had thought... And Operation the, Cobalt. Came right, Operation Cobalt. Which I thought meant that they were going to call an airstrikes and kill everybody. Because this is what we're going to do. But he may have been talking about the people at the hospital. We're going to humanely put them down. Because there was some of that going on. Right. But um, it's interesting to me too. They already, even what two episodes back, but they're already referencing the events or the, the zombification as an infection. Yeah. Which makes me wonder what's the source of that. In other words, do they know it's an infection, or are they just guessing that it's an infection? Um, in the other series, we did get to the CDC at the end of the first series season, and, and um, they have shown it to be an infection. Yeah, they knew it was. You know, X virus. We just don't have a cure for it, and oh, we're all dead. So, you know, and then when the power failed, the failsafe went off. The Andromeda strain, you know, um, uh, protocol, and the thing blew itself up, and so um, so there's no help coming. But the Lisa has told us more about the disease than we've ever heard from anybody else. You know, we were talking about. Well, why can't you get over a bite? Right. You know, if you're already infected, it's just breaking the skin, but apparently it causes, um, the bite itself causes it may cause a high 
high necrosis or right kills you. Although it still doesn't really make sense because yeah. we already have the virus. And she she knows all that already. Like she's telling Travis and Madison, like you know, it's like it's too late for me. The antibiotics don't work. Right, right. I'm not even going to try. And she tells them like it doesn't matter how you die, you're going to come back. Right. And so we already know so much about it. And it's so early on. And it, you the have doctor, to kill them with the headshot. The kids yeah. notice that. It may be yeah. wondering if that doctor knows more than what's going on, too. That doctor is probably dead. Yeah, the or last thing we see her. I'm this, thinking she... Yeah, with the, with the boat off. gun. Yeah. yeah, the pneumatic gun. She was holding it in her hands, and they, everybody yeah. else was dead, which is... Well, she was almost catatonic when they left her. You know, right. she's like, But I'm just wondering if she knew more of what was going on than she let on. It's possible. I have a sneaking suspicion she did, but I guess next thing's well, in She's know. low down on the medical hierarchy. You know, she's out there in the field. People in the bunker would... Yeah. You know, be taking Unless if she knows it from observation of those well, patients. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Again, I don't know. But um, that's where we get my proposal for this week's metaphor, and we went last week without really having one, but um, how old were you during Katrina? Maybe like, when was Katrina? 2005? Uh, I was like nine or ten. So you remember some of it. Oh, yeah. We housed refugees at really? my grandmother's at your, house. At your house? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. How long did they stay? Uh, a few months. Um, you know, my office mate, uh, who you met over in journalism, he, he, I think, housed 10 or 11 in their house here in Ruston. There's a bunch of people from New Orleans that came up. There's a bunch of his friends who right. grew up down there in Algiers. Well, there was a um, hospital, Memorial Hospital. The bottom floors were flooded, and they had the patients moved up to the top floors. And over the ensuing five days, they were just cut off from the world. And the medical staff, you know, there were a few doctors and nurses left there who had stayed through the hurricane, stayed to try to keep these people alive. And in the end, they euthanized them rather than because they were old and sick and couldn't move. It's not like they could walk them out or carry them out. And out of options, they just gave them all high doses of morphine and killed them. Yeah. And that's what I saw this woman is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, they got put on trial because, oh, you've killed people. And, and the jury had the good sense to say, well, these were the good guys in the situation. The, the people who didn't show up with, with help aren't on trial. You know, the people who were responsible for... The Being irresponsible, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it seems like that's what's happened to this one. You know, she has because she's trying to take care of those people in this ward. They aren't fatally sick. They, they take them downstairs and lock them up. So when they turn, they don't turn everybody so, else up. So these are people who should be getting better. Yeah. But she's had to kill him because she has no other option. So what is the meta- what is your metaphor for the week? Five days at MASH instead of five days at Memorial. Because <laughs> the MASH was the mobile army surgical unit. I, I know they've changed the name, but I grew up watching Hawkeye Pierce and that bunch. So I have my um, quote for the week, too, which is, the only way to survive a mad world is to embrace the madness. I love that. Right. Yeah. Actually, like... That scene with uh, 
with the doctor when everybody is finally regrouped and they come into the room and like just the cinematography where it's just it's panning around and you see all of these mm-hmm. patients with holes in their head right and then you see the doctor just like she's like catatonic like mm-hmm. you said it's just it's really it's kind of morbid a little bit like macabre but it's really beautiful it the is the way that it was directed and it shows the cost of you know, she did what she had to do, but that's yeah. all she's got in her. Right. And they really needed to grab her up and drag them with them, especially yeah. given that their one nurse is now dead. Yeah. They're going to have no medical. Um, you know, it seems to be right up there at the top things you need in an apocalypse like that is somebody that knows a little something about medicine. <laughs> and, and, and I would say, too, a little bit about any kind of technological area like engineering or anything really especially low tech technology yeah. like you know yeah. how to make a horseshoe out of a piece of metal or mm-hmm. you know the, the basic stuff right the MacGyver stuff because you know. the computers aren't going to be working but we'll still have metallurgy mm-hmm. yeah. so you smithies <laughs> and internal combustion engines and even I mean this goes back like if, if this had been if there had been an EMP like an electromagnetic pulse sort of a dog device and there wasn't but had there been one all the cars from prior to say around what 19 I mean I'm sorry from after about 1995 or so wouldn't work anymore but the cars from the 70s would still work right I've always wondered if something was turned off if the EMP would fry it Um, I know it does the stuff that's turned on (coughs) zombie flu And after that first episode, when I was on my way to New York, it did feel like zombie flu. Yeah. That's what I kept calling it. Because, um, you know, the people that were first coming down with it were just kind of coughing one minute and red eyes. And, yeah. and they die and turn into zombies. <laughs> okay, what else went on? We see what uh, Mr... We finally found out more about... Uh, Strand. Yeah. Strand. Yeah. Who I previously referred to as the cool black guy, but now we know his name is Strand. And he's made it really through cool. two episodes without dying, which yes. is a record for an African-American character in, in this series. And the other ones they've had, especially black women, seem to survive longer. But, yeah. you know, you'll get these big burly black dudes, and, man, they just get bit. No, it's the worst. But I'm really... He's still really cool. That he scene is. where he and Nick are like trying to escape. By the way, I love their dynamic. They're so cute. They they do have that good kind of um, chemistry. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like a comedy duo. They're you really know? cute. Um, but uh, oh, did you get the Nick cosplay uh, outfit? I yes, sent you a picture. I want to. You're going to have to get that. I want it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the scene where they I think I can get that for you out of my dad's closet if mom had, <laughs> died 10 years ago. And I think uh, if my mom hadn't thrown that stuff away, he had a jacket just like that. <laughs> but um, that scene where the two of them like are in this room and there's like dead soldiers and then there's like, a zombie eating one of the soldiers who's still like kind alive. of alive. Right, right, right. This is kill me, kill me. And Strand comes up to him and takes his cufflinks away and he says, you can keep the watch. That was so cool. That was so cool. He's so good. I love him. <laughs> but you know you can't trust him in the sense that he doesn't feel any loyalty. 
if he sees an advantage in you being alive, then he'll help you out. Like, I need a crew for my boat. Yeah. And since Gilligan and the skipper aren't here, I guess you guys will do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because uh, that was the big reveal. The, what was the woman's name? That Annabelle. Annabella. Annabella. Abigail. Annabelle. Abigail. It was Abigail. Okay. Abigail. And you and I talked about that. Well, yeah, that's, that's a, a, it's what's a, that called? a hollow needle clue. It's, it goes back to late 19th, early 20th century French mysteries, but it's a clue. It's based on literary ambiguity. And the hollow needle, Maurice Leblanc, Maurice Leblanc, the French uh, mystery novelist, created this character who was meant to be kind of a foil to Sherlock Holmes, Arsène Lupin, which literally means wolf yeah. in translation. And there's, in fact, I was looking the thing up here on Google. It's available on Google Books. And he wrote a story called The Hollow Needle, and the needle is set up in such a way that it can be a pine needle, it can be a geologic formation, or it can be a, a hypodermic needle. So you don't know what it is until the payoff at the end. So it's a very clever idea. I mean, but it, it's a rather old device, I and mean, it's better than 100 years old. That, that kind of clue. So when he says I got to get back to Annabelle, we're thinking or Abigail. 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 Yeah. Abigail. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. You're thinking it could be a wife or a daughter yeah. or a dog or something. But yeah. I never thought about a boat. What yeah. a shocker! Right. That was cool. And um. The fact that he just like takes them to his nice like house on the water—it's mm-hmm. a very nice place. And it, but it brings up more mystery about him. Like, who is this man? Why is he wearing a suit to a zombie apocalypse? Why does he have this really nice house? That what looked, does he do? <laughs> that looked like the house out of Diamonds Are Forever. You remember the Bond flick at the very Not end? Not that the clearly. Payoff? Yeah, Bond goes out to the house of Willard White, who is a Howard Hughes analog. No coincidence, Willard White, Howard Hughes, and he's this reclusive billionaire. And they go out to the guy's house, and it looks just like Strand's house. It made me wonder if they shot it on the same location. I mean, I don't know that, but it looks unsettlingly familiar at the house. Um, yeah, so they get to the house, and they, I, was there anything else from the escape we wanted to talk about? Um, the escape? Um, that scene where the soldier uh, shot Ophelia was really, like, yes. that was dramatic. And because very until now, he's been kind of a good guy, although in a horrible situation. Yeah. He's been a soldier, but he likes the girl, and this seems so unmotivated. Like, yeah. I'm not even going to shoot the guy I'm mad at. I'm going to shoot his daughter. Yeah. He just turned, maybe because she was trying to get between. But it seems to me like if she had thrown herself in between them and had shot her that way, it would have been more understandable. But that was when. Um, Travis loses. Yeah, that's when you know, I was because so um, you know you would think it would be Daniel, but he doesn't lose it. You know he's never lost it the whole season yeah. because he's been tested by fire before and you know, whatever this throws at him, he's been through stuff like that. So, and so when he finds out his wife is dead, well that's sad. But yeah. thank you for being with her. Not you. Bitch, I'm going to beat you down yeah. for not saving me. I want to go back to Strand a second. Uh, the illustrious Mr. Strand. A strand can be, this is one of the lesser definitions, it's a literary definition uh, for the word, it's a, the shore of a sea, a lake, or a large river. Yeah. Right. Which is pretty... Uh, well, that's the main meaning, and then there's the Strand magazine that had Sherlock the Holmes, Sherlock Holmes yeah. stories. A man of mystery being named Strand. It's not that far leap. But, anyway, Travis... I mean, uh, yeah, Travis, it seems to me like, in his mind, he made a deal 
yeah. with this guy. And in the in the zombie apocalypse, you are only as good as your word. Yeah. Because if you break your promise, that's all you've got. You know, there's no court system. There's no system to back up a contract. So um, he's just like, I got no use for you. Yeah. You know, we made a deal. You were going to get out of here, and here you are. And it makes me look bad. Yeah, it like it. He gets more characterization, I would say, from that scene because up until this point, he's just been kind of like a good guy, like trying to get on everybody's good side, doing the right thing. Right. And it's in this case, it's like he trusts this soldier to enough to cut a deal with him and let him go. Yeah. And the fact that he betrayed Travis's trust, it just like. I think that really resonates with him. So I guess that Travis is the sort of person that, yes, he is a good person, and as but a result, don't betray now, him. Travis has betrayed his own people. If he had not made that decision he made, yeah. Ophelia would not have gotten shot. Right. So partly it's the guilt of that, that he doesn't want to face it himself, that he turns outward on this guy. That's why he's so... I guess he, he just finally shows some kind of emotion. Yeah. And yeah. that's what was really refreshing about it. Right. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then everybody else is pulling him off. No, yeah. man, you I sort quit. of figured something was going to happen at some point to spice him up as yeah. a character because he can't he can't just sort of drift along like, like that. There was that scene, and then there was the very last scene of the episode where well, Travis has just murdered uh, <coughs> Liza and... Uh, he's like euthanasia yeah he's just like on his knees with the water like rushing over Mm -hmm. and he's like sobbing and Madison comes behind him and hugs him and it's just a very emotional end to the season and I like that thing on the cliff with the camera yeah. Panning out. back, yes, right. it, it zooms out, and I mean, it was really pretty powerful. It made me think of the end of Planet of the Apes. Yeah, doing, yeah. And I think it purposely had echoes of that, where Heston's character Taylor, the astronaut, oh, it's damn in the rubble you. of civ- civilization. Yeah, yeah, and he's hollering, damn you all the hell, you know. And it's it's this great scene of bleakness and yeah. desolation and everything else. Only here, it's all still there. Right. You know, as you pan back, it just right. looks like. Another morning in LA, but we know the grid's out, the zombies are out, yeah. people are gone. Which um, that scene where um, <clears throat> Daniel is uh, like luring the zombies to like the encampment oh, or whatever, that was so cool because he just he walks in, moseys along with a little this horde of zombies. We will shoot you, sir. And he said, I wouldn't waste the ammunition. And the zombies. <laughs> and it's just like miles of zombies. Because they've all broken out of the... Well, like, he broke the them out. The yeah. yeah. He, he turned them loose and then stayed just enough ahead of them to... Yeah. Whistle in with his. Uh, that was where I was wishing though last week or week before last they hadn't shown him. Yeah. Because it would have it would have ramped up attention in the minds yeah. of the viewers if they had not shown him. Yeah, instead I, would, of cut away I thought to that was else. the end of the show, but you're right. That I watched it again, was, and it, it was, was the it was, preview of the next. It was show it was coming attractions. Back. It was right. coming attractions, and it was narratively I wouldn't have done that at all. Sometimes I don't it. watch those because even those can be give too much away. Right? They did. They gave away because they showed he survived, and it's like why well, watch the next episode. And it's interesting that shows like this uh, do people want to be surprised. Like, yeah. uh, if you did get the creator of the show on there to start outlining the season, you would put your fingers in your yeah. ears. And start, <laughs> don't, tell don't tell me. I don't want to know. But they did do the, the talking dead afterwards. 
Yeah, did y'all watch that? I watched a portion of it because I needed to grade some papers. So so good. And they were dealing with all the issues that have been upsetting the masses over uh, over the last you know couple of months. You know, like you know, was it too slow to start off with? And uh, why doesn't Nick ever change clothes? The guy (laughs) because he's gross. Well, yeah, he's a he's a street. Drug addict. Yeah, and he's been used to sleeping in the same set of clothes for months on end and never taking a bath. Yeah, uh, he's beautiful. Don't worry about it. I love him. <laughs> you know, that first episode, he had that little tool thing or whatever yeah. you call it. You know, it's like a very like thin shirt, kind of half shirt. Open. Yeah, yeah. He's running up. And then the rest of the time, he looks like uh, you know Uncle Elmer. Yeah. <laughs> Just Poor back from choices. his golf, from puttering in the garden. <laughs> Where's the shuffleboard? <laughs> Maybe there'll be shuffleboard on the yacht. <laughs> Maybe on the cruise ship. Um, I like the way they use the music this time. Yeah. The lyrics were really reflective of the of the narrative. I thought. Yeah. Um, and very powerful. They had a really gritty, a very gritty kind of quality. I thought they really kind of squared with what was going when on. When they have the songs, it tends to be kind of folky kind of music. Right. It's true in the other series as well. I wonder if it's original music for the series. I would take it to be it, but I don't know that. Do y'all know? No I have idea. no idea. If we're writing it for the series or... Um, speaking of Nick, though, that scene where uh, it's Nick and Madison just kind of out on the balcony talking, and Madison says, like, I'm sorry that I let them take you, and just that what? scene was one of, that scene <laughs> right. was, like, one of, probably one of my favorites in this entire series, because he says, like, you know, he says it feels like... I've been living this the whole time, and now everybody's finally catching right. up to me. Right. And that's like a really good narrative on like sure. what it's like to be an addict. Right, right. Well, you're like you are out of sorts with the world. Yeah. When you're addicted, any sort of like neurodivergence, I think that's a really good narrative. Well, it's also again, it's a commentary on the dying day, you know, the last days of empire. It yeah. sound like Chris right, Hedges, but right. it is. It's I've been watching that the whole time. This is. You know the death of the postmodern world. I think we're, we're that in post postmodernism right now. I think that may be why zombies are so popular currently. Like people are, there was the vampire phase, like mm-hmm. in the '90s, mm-hmm. and Buffy, and yeah. you know all the other right. spinoffs and Twilight. But vampires typically don't bring an apocalypse. They're a parasitical race that needs the functioning society to keep functioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this famous scene where um, Buffy's been... Did you ever watch Buffy? No. no. <laughs> such a Buffy fan. Because um, they use Latin. <laughs> they did use Latin. <laughs> yeah. Was that the librarian or somebody? That... Well, anybody doing the end of the second season. and uh, I don't know where Spike shows up and wants to talk to her. and He says, wait, I don't want to fight. And she says, what? You get about the, our relationship, you know, we're enemies. And he says, yes, but I want to save the world because, you know, they're about to be sucked into this vortex. And he says, we have cigarettes, we have Manchester United, we have people walking around like Happy Meals on legs. And I want all that, you know, I don't want the world to go away. And zombies just don't care. They're just. Like it's nihilism. This, yeah, this yeah. nihilism. 
death machine that mm-hmm. is going to take out civilization. Like and, consumer capitalism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah. that's what I, I see it as a metaphor for consumer capitalism and the all-consuming power of it. And finally, what does it do? It consumes itself. Yeah. Ouroboros, is that what that's Yeah, the Ouroboros, yeah. That makes me wonder, can zombies eat other zombies? I mean, I'm sure they can, but will it provide them any sustenance? They don't seem to want them. Yeah. I guess the flesh is tainted or something. It's not like cockroaches, because cockroaches do that. I mean, they eat each other. They, um... But what if you run out of humans? Like, if you kill somebody and they turn while you're still eating them, I guess you're eating a zombie in a sense. Yeah, a little bit. There's a question of logistics, I think, there. (laughs) I mean, because what what will happen if you, uh... Like, if all of the humans are wiped out or all of the humans are turned into zombies and you have this entire population of zombies, do the zombies just die? We were talking about that. I don't know if you were here yet, but, um, you know, at what point in the decomposition do you cease to be a zombie and you're just a corpse, corpse you know? Yeah. Once the brain is gone... Do they you know, continue to decompose once they've been zombified? Yeah, because you see <laughs> bugs eating them. They're yeah. crawling around, and there's only so much in there to eat. Yeah. Uh, after a while, all that's gone. And you'll occasionally see them walking through the woods, especially in the, the uh, Walking Dead. And they'll pass by just a, a, um, a decomposed skeleton. Flesh is all gone. They're no longer zombies. They've gone beyond. But there is a shelf life on a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> they do seem to get some kind of energy, so they must have some kind of digestion. Because yeah. they'll talk about them slowing down and getting weak and things yeah. like that after they've been starved for a while. I'll be interested to see how they're going to finally tie this thing directly to the parent series. Still, I don't know that they will. You think it's it'll just be so just far independent. Yeah. Well, nobody. I mean, in our gang that we're following in Walking Dead, they've made the pilgrimage to Washington D.C., so they're actually going the opposite. Direction. Have they done any yeah. uh, telescoping of time, like five months forward or six months or a year forward in, in the Walking Dead? There is some of that between seasons, like yeah. uh, the year they go into the. Uh, you know, like a lot of seasons will only cover like a week. You know, um, it's very compressed. But then, like when they once they got the um, the the jail or the prison, mm-hmm. uh, you come back and they're you know Rick has become farmer Rick, and uh, you know he's got a little crop down there, and they've got a pig pen, and uh, you know they've kind of. Working on sustainability, mm-hmm. so we don't have mm-hmm. to go scrounging for canned food that's quickly running out. But because um, I'm wondering if they could do that and telescope this thing in, like a flash forward in effect, they probably and, and then link them to the directly to the Walking Dead. I'm a little worried about them getting on that boat and just sailing around. Like, what's that going to be? Well. Okay, in theory, if you've got enough supplies, like food and water and everything, to last you, get on that boat until the entire right. population is zombies, and then they just die because they have no nutrition. Come back, right. come back and repopulate the earth, a la, like... But who wants to follow a boat just doing love boat, you know, <laughs> zombie love boat, for five seasons, rather? 
So I hope they don't just stay on that boat for come too aboard. long. I'm sure they won't we're, be able come to. Come aboard, yeah. we're expecting you. <laughs> we're eating you. <laughs> they might try at first, and then something something will happen that will interfere and cause them to right. be unable to do they'll that. They'll get a leak, so. or they'll run out of whatever. Yeah. You know, they'll crash. I don't know. Something will happen. Pirates will steal their boat. Zombie pirates. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and uh, one of the consistent themes of the uh, other series is that the people are worse than the zombies. Because yeah. zombies are just zombies. Yeah. You, you know, know what to expect. Yeah. But, but people, people will betray you, and they're cruel. Yeah. And um, some of them are nihilistic to destroy stuff just to destroy it. So you can't really... You know, people are the bigger threat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they go crazy. You know, that, that's what people don't understand. Like, uh, we're in the middle of this controversy in our country about, you know, a good guy with a gun can stop a bad guy with a gun. Something you like to say is, good guys have bad days. You know, they, they aren't good guys all the time. Or they aren't even good guys. They're just people. It's a, it's it's the old Manichaean idea. It's, yeah. It's, a, it's our modern mutation of Manichaean dualism. Right. And most people aren't heroes or villains purely. They're just people. And so they will have a bad day and they'll go out and shoot up a school full of kids. And yesterday they were a good guy with a gun. All right. Ben, <laughs> light a cigar with it. No, I refuse. This we is aren't what, in that bracket. This is what. Uh, see, a word to the wise: if you work as a uh, a server and you have breasts, if you wear tight shirts or low cut shirts or tight low cut shirts. You'll get some money. Dollar dollar bills. Are you a <laughs> server somewhere? Oh yes. Where do you work? I work at a restaurant called Trios in Monroe. Oh, we talked yeah, about oh, this yeah. before. The Garden District. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stephen and I there one time when we were coming back from Brastrup when we almost got blown away by a tornado. Yeah, oh, it had it had and, uh, electrical wires across one sixty five and uh, we had to take yeah. a detour by. Bayou Bartholomew. Anyway, we roll into trios, and it is so loud. It's very loud. It's food, but it's really loud. Yeah, we couldn't even ears. hear each other talk, much less talk to the waitress. It's very loud, I know, especially at nighttime. <clears throat> but that's just because we have a lot of regulars that like to come in and drink and feed Mary. But there's something about the acoustics <laughs> of the place that they don't dampen it down and make it noisy. Trust me, it's... Yeah, good barbecued shrimp. Yeah. Oh, I like something else in the uh, <coughs> this program that came after, The Talking Dead, where they did the in memoriam thing. Right, they did do you that catch, every week. But did you catch what that... That was a parody of what they broadcast on TCM at the end of every year when a famous actor dies. Oh, um, I didn't know it that. It was a parody of that. Yeah, and they have the, the mawkish sort of soundtrack playing in the background. <laughs> kind of like we <laughs> have here. Where is that music coming from? Some speaker down here. Yeah. Oh, okay. But it was it made it made me think of that. And, and they would show like in memoriam and they would have, you know, so-and-so died this year. And, and it was... Lisa, we've got to cross off Lisa. So so far out of the central cast, we've lost Griselda and Lisa. I thought we were going to lose Ophelia, but she just got shot in the arm, and she's fine now. Yeah, she's going to be all right. Right It's a through and through. You'll have to clean the dressing. That's where that was the foreshadowing Mm -hmm. that something was wrong with Lisa. Yeah. Although I thought it was 
a bit hasty, like, yeah. at least tell everybody goodbye and wait till you're good and sick. Um, why don't you have yourself killed when you probably got three or four days left? Yeah. The, Take your time. Yeah. I mean, seriously, you know, that's going to be such a shock to... Um, Chris? Christopher? Is that yeah. his name? Chris. Chris. Oh, yeah, he was shaken up about it. And because in the last thing that they said to each other, you know, she gave him this really big hug and said, you know, I love you. And that, that was it. And then she was dead. And she That's knew terrible. it was goodbye. Yeah. But he didn't. <laughs> I've been... <clears throat> That was a powerful episode and a powerful scene. Well, and it really did. You had the zombies, you had the humans who were not acting the way they should. Um, and yet you had that, that human interest or the human connections, particularly right. at the end. Then you, you know. had the you know daring escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was like frustrating. And very tense because you've got all these people going in different directions. And it's like, right. oh, you how just are have they, to go here. Right. How are they ever going to get together? We know where they need to go, exactly. but they don't know where to meet each other up. So when they finally all got together, I was like, oh, God, thanks. And, you know, finally, I think it was Madison who's um, on the other side of... Madison and uh, Lisa on the yeah. other side of the door when... Um, Lisa has to, like, use her strand. car to right, right. get stranded Nick out. They're stranded on the other side. But it's like a deus ex machina, God out of the machinery. And, oh, here's mom. Okay, thank goodness. And, uh, but, you know, they have been hunting each other, so it's not all, totally artificial. It kind of reminded me of a Dickensian sort of a thing that well, we have do, these characters. They love the just in time yeah. uh, stuff in that show. In, in, in the original series, too? That's very Dickensian, and I'm sure there are sources for the Like you know, you're about to get your head chopped off and somebody um, blows somebody something up. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. That comes up in a lot of adventure fiction, anyhow, popular adventure fiction and mystery fiction. Uh, cliffhanger. Kind of, yeah. It was the old cliffhanger type of... Um, right. Which every week you would end on some kind of cliff, and then the next week you would pick up there. You lurch yeah. from crisis to crisis, right. basically. And that's The Walking Dead. We've talked about before, you can't plan for the future. That just leads to you getting killed. Yeah. Nobody's going to college. This is what we're seeing, though, is this rebirth of the serial, of serial fiction, which I yeah. find really, really exciting since I write that kind of stuff. I mean, well, right, because there were... Starting in the 90s, shows like X-Files, which would have 22 episodes a year, and maybe five of them would be the arc. Yeah. Well, Wise Guy was like that, remember? Yeah, that had an arc throughout. That was a real pioneer in the late 80s, and it's, and it's essentially an adult version of that series I write, Secret Agent X. But these have, um, this is an arc, too, you know, like every season has something going on. Mm-hmm. And what happened last week affects this week, like... Um, you know, your traditional series, you've got your core group of cops or doctors or whatever. Or the Cartwrights. Right, the Cartwrights. <laughs> you know, they start at home around the table. They end up this episode at home around the table. And next week, even if little Joe gets shot in the arm, next week he'll be riding a horse. You know, there's no recovery. They also never change clothes, which has right. to be pretty rank when you think about so it. So Nick would fit right in. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a beautiful, gross son. It is funny that they already have Nick cosplay. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, would, I would like to see them go into the desert, actually, or go into those into the mountains outside of L.A. 
yeah. and do some quasi-Western kind of thing. I think that would be well, kind of interesting, really, to me. The problem with that <laughs> Camping for with zombies. the <laughs> most um, fans is that they've been watching The Walking Dead, that's what that is. Going into the mountains and going into the woods, surviving off the yeah. land. Let's yeah. kill a squirrel and eat it. So this is meant to be a, a real contrast by being more right. urban right. setting. And but they seem to be abandoning the urban and well, let's make it on the sea, which is different at least. I'll give them that. Yeah, yeah. you don't see that very often. And, and zombies are going to have a lot more trouble getting, getting at you, <laughs> right? Yeah. Unless if there's a zombie aboard, like a stowaway. <laughs> Does a zombie sink, or does a zombie they float? They sink. They don't swim. Yeah. They make it float. <laughs> it might be a funny development to have a zombie still away on the, on the Abigail. You know, actually, come to think about it, when Strand is looking through the binoculars at Abigail, like, it's moving. Who's steering it? Who's on the boat? I just thought Are the, they a zombie? <laughs> I thought the current was moving around it. Maybe, maybe. I, I thought it was moving, but it might have been just the water moving around it. I have no idea. I need to see the last five minutes again since I was trying to eat, get my cereal together, and I missed the real yeah. crackdown. I mean, when, when you find out that Abigail is really the boat. Yeah. Um, what I saw, and I told Bruce, you see this oil slick on the water, and I thought it was red tide at first, which yeah. is that al- you know algae growth that's pretty deadly, frankly. And I've still got this um, water fetish, I guess, you know, or focus or whatever that, you know, Matt, they wake it into his house and they get into his kitchen, and Madison just turns that water on and leaves it running for like five minutes. And, Turn off the water. You're going to run out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a. I don't care if he's got a tank under the house. It's going to run out. Yeah, sure. You can't use it forever. We're running out of water right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're not turning it off, so I don't know why I'm yelling at Madison. <laughs> I guess she's over there. You're right. It's probably projection on my part. Probably. Um. Madison is still kind of eh for me. Like she's she's getting better, but I think I I kind of like Travis more than her right now. Well, the thing I like about Madison is um, she clicked in that very. That was the one that they killed the principal. Was that episode two? Yeah, that was like the first or second episode. Yeah, that was like the second. Episode. So. Um, you know, it clicked in with her really early. And when uh, Daniel Salazar said, you want your son back? Yeah, torture that gas <laughs> I don't care what you do, I want my son back. I want to talk about the, like, zombie fight scene that they have in, like, the kitchen or whatever. That was so badass. You have Madison. Oh, and that must be where... There was your hammer that you kept talking about. That must be where Lisa got... Yeah, I think so. And then, like, like you have Madison, like going at zombies with just a hammer just bashing them in the head and then you've got this scene where uh, you've got like Ophelia and I actually think that uh, Liza is like holding the zombie back or something and then you've got Ophelia with a pair of like hedge clippers which is so brutal and awesome well I hope which one would be the more efficient weapon weapon, the ball peen hammer I hope they'll do more with Ophelia or scissor shears (laughs) 
Yeah, hope... it's starting to get like more hardened, you're right. She started out as like this kind of pure, innocent daughter, and now she's beating zombies to death with hedge clippers, and she's getting really callous. Well, I'm hoping they'll do more with Ophelia and Alicia next year. Alicia especially has this um, real potential to be a badass in the series, and so far they've been kind of wasting her potential. Yeah. There was the really cute scene last week where... With her and Chris. Yeah. In the house. In the house. That was cute. And, then they and her the, on the bicycle. I'm yeah. the sheriff here. And that was cute. <laughs> and then Alicia uh, and Chris were left alone together while the adults go and rescue the rest of the family. Right, right. And they get right. assaulted by soldiers. Yes. And he really, uh, you know took up for her when the soldiers were getting fresh. It was really cute. (laughs) But, you know, that's where the people being bad. Yeah. Because you don't know, are they going to grab her and take take her off with them? Because that kind of thing has happened before in this other series. Yeah. You know, there's no real limit other than the mood at the moment of the people that have the guns. Yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there thinking that. Yeah, I mean, it's it, well, and it, it's it's sort of oh, that's, underscoring. That's the metaphor part of it. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's underscoring like like this. Where was the killing that happened? And you heard it maybe covered on Democracy Now, but it's the killing. Was it over in Kandahar or someplace? And there are some Americans that are being accused of war crimes. I don't know what you Do you mean where we bombed the hospital the other day? No, this is this is back uh, probably a year or two or three ago. Oh, I don't yeah, know that. Quite some time back. Yeah, I did hear about the hospital. Yeah, we just bombed a hospital last week. (coughs) This is last week, but this this is... Yeah, Doctors Without Borders, screw them. We're going to blow them up. Yeah. And the Doctors Without Borders said not only had we told them ahead of time, we were calling them during the bombardment, begging them to stop. So, yeah, you know, I think this thing of the hospital has a lot of resonance with stuff that has happened and is happening where... You know, it's supposed to be where you go to get treatment, but what happens when it breaks down? Yeah. And, you know, in our own country, I mean, in our own state of Louisiana, over the last several years, Bobby Jindal has shut down numerous hospitals and clinics. And you see the attack on Planned Parenthood going on. It's a way of closing <coughs> clinics that help women and mm-hmm. uh, who have health issues and want to plan their families. <laughs> and and so uh, yeah, it's not that what's happening there isn't happening in some respect all the time. I'm, I would be interested in that regard to see more of the governmental sort of breakdown and see how you know the government responds. You know, if we see more of that in this Fear the Walking Dead, like for next season. Walking Dead DC, where we watch how the, uh, <laughs> the Oval Office how the handles all this, right? Yeah. That would be an interesting kind of a take, really. Like like the government in exile, and it goes into hiding. It right, they're in the underground to, bunker. Yeah, or, or it goes it goes to you know out to Colorado Springs, where the Norad is it the Norad Center out there or something. Mr. President, I propose that we close the mine shaft camp. This is where you really need that George mine C. shaft. Scott. Yeah. George C. Scott and Doctor Strangelove. <laughs> well, what you got? I'm looking at the cast list. And spoiler alert, I guess. Um, Strand's name is Victor. What's Vic- it? Victor Strand. 
Ah, first name. Victor. At least we it's hadn't not heard his Victor first name yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's in Victor Von Doom. <laughs> I really would like to see more, though, about the about the government's disintegration, you know. Yeah. Because I think that's a, from what y'all say, it's not really well explored in the other series, other than the fact that the CDC is now blown up, and it's, you know. Well, I make this argument, I've probably <clears throat> said it here before, but I like to say it as often as possible, uh, that the natural human grouping is tribal. Yeah. We are tribal animals by our very nature. Um, because we're born with so little programming, in our brain and we're so weak yeah. um, you know a horse is ready to run in five or ten minutes a sea turtle hatches out of its shell and goes to the sea and swims off to to grow up and be its own person it takes us anywhere depending on the society from 12 to 25 years mm-hmm. to get trained enough that we can function, function in the society sort of independently we're still yeah. in the society right very few people actually go out there and live on their own so when civilization collapses it does seem to me logical that what would happen is a bunch of tribes spring up yeah. and these are particularly unstable tribes because people keep getting eaten eaten which which mirrors what i told you in that in the walter miller novel cannibal for Leibowitz. yeah you know and then you have and been part of it set in this area it's set in texarkana the opening scenes are texarkana what's what's texarkana and there are all these independent little tribes that have tried to reform after the nuclear cataclysm. But, you know, and that's essentially what happened after Rome fell. Mm-hmm. It had uh, centuries of tribal uh, civil, or tribal yeah, era, warfare which, which we remember now as the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the next one will be the Dark Ages with nukes. Um, <laughs> and perhaps zombies. Nuclear zombies. That would be fun. They've had that on Z Nation yeah. a couple of weeks ago. They, they've got these zombies that got, you know, exposed to a radiation cloud. Now they're even worse zombies than they were before. Mega zombies. Yeah, they're <laughs> faster. <laughs> they're faster and more aggressive and uh, still not very smart, but, you know, more dangerous. A zombie can become self-actualized. I was thinking that they become <laughs> that sentient. In... They become sentient beings, really. You know. Warm bodies. Have you seen yeah. that? Mm-hmm. He does because yeah. of love. Right. She's Juliet. <laughs> she's Juliet, and he's. Urgh. Yeah. He's, can't remember. He's Romeo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a cute movie, but. But but so they, they I mean they do take that. Attack in the British series. That what was it called? Um, oh yeah, the one um, that, uh, Sean, Sean was, was talking about. about. Oh right, right. Um, in the Flash. Yes, yes that right? that's it. I remember. I knew it was something about Flash. Yeah. So could They've you? Had could two you... seasons. It's a really good show. Have you been watching it? Or I have seen it. I think I can't remember where I stumbled across it. Is it Maybe an apocalypse? BBC. Is it a full-on apocalypse like this or what? No. Um, civilization survived intact. You know, they were able to corral the zombies and figure up this treatment zombies for Zombies have been integrated. So, yes, they're trying to integrate zombies into regular society, but then... The rotters. There's this, there's this semi-fascist uh, government um, mm. that's wanting to punish them for being zombies. You know, they killed our loved ones. Why are we letting them... V for Vendetta. Be among us. Uh, v for Vendetta. Well, and also... Um, 
you know, kind of their role is kind of like Jewish people in Germany right. or yeah. African Americans in the American South mm-hmm. or, yeah. you know, something like that. Gypsies where, and Jews in Russia. Where you've got some people sticking up for them and then a lot of really government bureaucrats and uh, uh, demagogues who are trying to cash in on mm-hmm. anti-zombie s- sentiment. <laughs> Propaganda. That's, so, that's kind of a metaphor in heroes, too, right? The heroes are born. Yeah. It's otherization of people. Right. And so those are, you know, you've got the xenophobia going on, the racism, all of that, you know. They want to tag you as, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's down to the, you know, Nazi tattoos. and Right. Um, the Star of David. Yeah, the that. Star of David that they make you paste on your shirt. Mm-hmm. There was a TV channel that wished Jewish listeners a happy Yom Kippur a couple of weeks back and <laughs> the Star of David that the German Nazis made you pin on your... <laughs> uh, uh, you tried, I guess. Well, <laughs> it was probably the first thing that came up in their Google search and it probably. looked pretty good. Let's drop that in there. That sounds oh. sort of like Scott Google Walker's... Google has this flattening effect. That sounds like Scott Walker's approach, you know, when he sent the what was it, the letter to the Jewish organization? And it, he was supposed to be signing off by saying um, Mazeltov, and he signed off in his letter. His closing said Molotov, Which as in could Molotov be, cocktail. But, I mean, he was so ignorant. I mean, it so could be ignorant. autocorrect, or it might yeah. have been no, a it was, bad secretary. It was just really inappropriate. <laughs> really, My dad, really inappropriate. who had to send out a lot of business letters, was just really hyper about proofreading you know, and this was back during typewriter era, so if there was a mistake, oh, yeah. you gotta I it. think they may have had white out, but a lot of times you wound up just having to retype the whole yeah. thing. Oh, jeez. Uh, it was like a, you know, madman without, he was a Baptist preacher, so there was no sex or alcohol, but. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. But there was the thing, uh, you know, come into office, I've got to dictate a letter, you know, and uh, yes. you would do that. Off somehow the letter would get written and sent. You know, it was just a magical thing <laughs> called women. <laughs> so where do y'all think the series is going to go next next season? I hope they don't spend the whole series on the, on the Pacific Yo-ho-ho Ocean and a bottle of rum. <laughs> on the Pacific. I don't think they will. I think they're going to try, like I said earlier. But I think that I, I know something's going to happen. Zombies of the Pacific. Yeah. Sorry, as opposed to Pirates of the Caribbean. No way that they can just spend the entire. They'll have to run out of fuel, you know. They'll run yeah. out of diesel or however the thing is powered the yacht, and they have to make landfall someplace. I mean, I don't really know anything about how boats work, like boat logistics or anything. But maybe there are zombies on the boat already. We have no idea. I wondered that about like stowaways. Maybe yeah. he has a caretaker, you know, like a, maybe he has a butler. A, right, a bu- <laughs> right, something like that. Is a Bevins. So, well, now the the outbreak of zombification is is it simultaneous across the world? In other words, it's happening all at the same time. I would assume yeah. it's happening across the country all at once. So, so when they make landfall someplace, let's say arbitrarily, say at San Francisco, they go they go cruising up the Pacific coast. They go north. Yeah, I wonder if they'll go to a different country on the boat. Theoretically, you know, they could land somewhere that had not had the zombie apocalypse but as soon as they get off the boat 
they may be they've, carriers. They've got the you know they're yeah. the typhoid Marys of yeah. the zombie apocalypse. So <laughs> right now, people are going to start coming back to zombies. Yeah, they, there's no escape at this point because now we already know that it doesn't matter how you die, you're going to come back. Like, right. We know that everybody has it at this point. It's a pandemic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or endemic, which is the difference? Uh, anyway, it's, it's across, everywhere. It's across it's everywhere. the world. It's a pandemic. Yeah. But when something's endemic to society, that's when everybody's carrying it all the time. <laughs> English professor debates. We could just look it up, but <laughs> <laughs> that would be boring. <laughs> it's more fun to just speculate. That's what you get for hanging out with us, Quinn. <laughs> you should have known something like this was bound to happen. Well, I, uh, I appreciate uh, people that are familiar with Latin. I, had, um, I was hanging out with some friends yesterday, and they were both speaking French, and I kind of like got the gist of what they were saying. Because of Latin? Yeah, and cool. I just asked them, you know, Rene's <laughs> They were like, what are you saying? What? I don't get it. I don't hear any, like, French words in there. And I was like, no, that's the point. <laughs> Do you like frogs? <laughs> Do you like frogs? <laughs> yeah, that's an old that's what nickname for somebody French. It's a rather disparaging <laughs> nickname. Yeah. <but. laughs> I am. Um, when I would tell adults that I was taking Latin in high school, they would be like, Oh well, well Latin's a dead language, but can you like can you say anything in Latin? Like can you speak Latin? <laughs> and I would be like, oh yes, there's a really uh, powerful sentence that we learned, and it's uh, Rene's MHS. I'm <laughs> just surprised it wasn't Simperubi Sububi. <laughs> Did y'all say that one too? No. Always wear underwear. So <laughs> <laughs> we had, it's um, like the lowest kind of they call it dog Latin because it's yeah. not really Latin. It's, it's, <laughs> We had, um, our Latin class was really big on coffee. Like, our, our teacher was really, like, kind of had an addiction almost. I wonder what the Latin word for coffee is. I'm not sure. But he always, like, every Wednesday morning, you know, we'd have coffee. We'd, if you show up early, you get coffee. And you drink coffee with the, uh, with the teacher. And so he had a little sign in his room that, uh, instead of summa cum laude, it said summa cum latte. I knew that was cum latte. <laughs> <laughs> it was very That's cute. That's funny. I had a professor at the seminary who, um, this was in New Orleans, and, you know, the South was very much with us, and he had a big sign in his office that said, Shalom, y'all. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> um, I, have a, I have a mug from my Latin class that uh, we just sold as part of, like, our club activities, and uh, it says, What is quid? Yes. <laughs> it it's a, a who's on first. Yeah, that's great. It was a real thing that happened in class one day. We were, like, translating stories, and somebody raises a hand and goes, uh, what is quid? And the teacher goes, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. It is what. What's on second? <laughs> no, but I love jokes that take a couple of languages. Like, yeah. our sunken city, which was... Um, web episode or web uh, series filmed in New Orleans mm. one of the characters in there wanted to be the king of Rex 
And every time he would say that, somebody would say to him, they don't say it that way because Rex means king. Yeah. So it's, you what, don't, it's a redundancy. Right. Yeah. You wouldn't want to be king of Rex. You just want to be Rex. You just want to be Rex. Everybody knew it but him. He doesn't it's even know a, what it's, he's it's running like the for. the person says two twins or something. Uh, equally ludicrous, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or in different languages, like the hoi polloi. Well, hoi means the. Yeah. So it's the, the polloi. Exactly. But nobody knows that, so everybody just says the hoi polloi. Oh, my God, we're still in the English debate. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, about zombies. Yes, back um. to zombies. Please, please rescue us from this English. In um. language, in general. Predictions for the next season. Who do you think is going to die first next season? I don't know. Sometimes that core group can last a pretty good while. Chris is fairly expendable. Yeah, but he's really cute, and I don't want him to leave. I like him. <laughs> he's very sweet. And if they don't child. do anything with Alicia, they may just kill her off. Although, sometimes what they'll do is make them get in touch with their badass, uh, yeah. you know, inner she, badassness right before they die. You yeah. know, it's like if their they have swan a song. dispute, she'll be the next one to go. <laughs> I think that... But they keep the prices low that way. I'll work for free. Just don't kill me. I think that... Daniel will die soon because it would be too convenient to have somebody that that badass badass in your core group for too long. Yeah, and usually, like uh, the mentor figures get killed off pretty quickly in this uh, in this universe. Oh yeah, because Travis may be here in ten or fifteen years, depending on how long this goes on. So yeah, I hope he continues to develop. A personality, what right? They, what right, are they right. saying about the about Walking Dead? Um, as far as like, do they have like a an end game in mind? Have you heard like Kirkham or the rest of them? A Kirkman? Movie? I think they have gone beyond the comic books. Like time moves so slowly in the comic books that they've actually outpaced them. I've heard that. I haven't read the comic books. Anyway, I think as long as it's fresh to the people doing it and has the biggest ratings mm-hmm. in the cable, that they'll probably keep going. Yeah. And I hope that Fear the Walking Dead will build an audience. You know, there were a lot of people that got in it early and were bored. Mm-hmm. Although I wasn't. I always I found it interesting. Yeah. I think it, overall, it was a very good series. It was a very good first season of a series. Right. A lot of times when a series makes their debut, you have to sort of give it some leeway. You have to give right. it some, like, I, mean, I don't know, some grace room because you know it's going to be bad. For the Dark first Trek, The Next episodes. Generation, do not watch that first season. You and I talked oh about my that. God. Well, it was mostly a rehash of old Star Trek plots. Right, they kept trotting out old scripts from the original Star Trek. And, uh, you know, They were trying to get their sea lag, so to speak. Right. I mean, that's exactly what they were Well, doing. and I heard that Gene Roddenberry died, and uh, it was very beneficial to the show because they were <laughs> taking new directions. Yeah. Right. Uh, however, that, that was the you know, like the smartest move that they made was not to bring the original series back, but to create a new series. Right, the next generation. However, every episode, every season of the original series, watch it. Watch all the movies. Well, uh, and there is a <laughs> new <my> web series... <laughs> That yes. does Captain Kirk and Spot with different actors. Isn't it? Um, um, <laughs> is it like the fifth year of the original movie? Right, or yeah, like basically. That? You know, the same uh, costumes and, you know. Is that the one with uh, 
I don't know if Todd Haberkorn plays Spock or if he plays just a Vulcan. I, I want to say he's plays Spock though. No, is it, it is a Spock. Good he, is it eh, the one I watched wasn't so great. I didn't even finish it, but I might need to watch some of the other shows because it was all in a vision. In a vision, they were taken back to the American Civil War and mm-hmm. they were refighting the American Civil War, and they've kind of done that, you know. Um, and since it's all in a vision, it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. It's just something that Kirk and Bones, they get transported back together oh, okay. in their minds, and they're having the same hallucination at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Eh. So it was kind of mediocre. Well, it's like an episode of Next Generation spin on the holodeck. You know, it's like, oh. well, they're just pretending. <laughs> like the whole thing isn't just pretending. It, it has no stakes to it. No right, thing. exactly. Yeah. That's it. Within that universe, even there's no stakes to it. So. <laughs> I think I still think this thing could, could spawn another another spinoff. Frankly, yeah, uh, like like a like a Walking Dead DC. I like that like. idea. Uh, um, you know, get inside the halls of power for a change. I think that it would be cool. Like kind of like what they did with Breaking Bad. Off for Saul right, better call Saul. Uh, they could easily do that with like a character like Strand or even Daniel. Right. But yeah, we will see. Well, that would be most interesting if you find out Strand had been a government operative of some sort. I think he's just what he says he is—a salesperson. You know, I think he's. Who knows what he says? He made a lot of money. HRG was supposed to be a salesperson. Yeah, but this guy has money. HRG is obviously middle management. He lived in a little bitty. But he had the the cover identity. That's the right. But this guy—you don't make the kind of money this guy makes. Strand might be anything from like a pharmaceutical rep to like somebody who works in the black market selling Mm -hmm. organs or cars. You know, I could be see him totally as a sleazy car agent. Upper echelon, like yeah. I sell Lamborghinis. And, yeah. Um, but there are other things that get sold. Oh, arms dealer, yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. But that would be too convenient. But it's kind of good that it's <clears throat> mysterious. We always like our mystery men and mystery women. Right, and it's never that's as good once you a, find that's out. That's part of his allure. That's why people like cigarette acts. It's the same, same reason. Yeah. Well, I see we've been going about an hour. Do y'all have any final thoughts on the first season? I I like it. I'm sold. I'm going to watch the second season. I definitely am, too. And hopefully we'll be back here. Are you going to be yeah. around next year? Oh, yeah. I'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll when be are you graduating, away. anyway? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe never. Maybe never. Maybe That's I'll stay it. here forever. <laughs> hey, I loved college, and I have never left. I've been... I've been Going to college or teaching college since 1976, so why would you ever want to leave? I should be done with undergrad in about two years. Grad school, however. What's your major? Psychology. Psychology? Yeah. Yeah, that'll take a while. (laughs) Tech has a pretty decent PhD program. It does, it does. And a master's program. All right, well, now we're (laughs) off of... uh, Oh, psychology though—that's big stuff. We could we could get off into that ne- maybe next episode. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Y'all tune in next year where we we. Uh, when does the second season air? Probably about a year from now. That's what I'm sitting there thinking. That's uh, a long time to be God. kind of waiting around, you know. But 
In the meantime, you can re-listen to old podcasts of Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> yes, if you, just, if you just miss our voices so, right. so much and you can't sleep at night, don't we'll, worry. We'll our website still, still be here. Up. That's it. <laughs> we got a free one, so I don't even have to remember to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, for Fear the Walking Dead, a podcast, I'm Bruce McGee. I'm Steve Payne. I'm Quinn Warner. And we'll see you guys next year. Farewell for now. Bye for now.